The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Right now, I want to return to the issue of health spending because what was slightly remarkable in the budget yesterday, given how much money was sloshing around, so much money they effectively set up two different rainy day funds, was that we didn't have an increase, a significant increase in the health budget. And it's the first year we haven't had a, a significant increase really since the dark days of recession and austerity. It begs the question whether uh, the government's view or the view around Cabinet is that they now have enough money to provide a better service. Uh, we are going to dig into that uh, with uh, Matthew Sadlier, who is chair of the IMO, IMO's Consultants Committee, and Brian Turner, the health economist at Cork University Business School at UCC. Gentlemen, you're both very welcome. Matthew, were you surprised at the level of health spending announced yesterday? Um, not surprised. Like, I'm disappointed, not surprised. Uh, you know, I mean, because it's an ongoing pattern and it's been happening for the last, as long as I'm involved in this, in you know, in, in health advocacy. So not surprised, disappointed, as you say. You know, they, like Ireland has had, since between census 2016 and census 2022, as we know, we've had about an 8% increase in our population. You know, but that has been specifically a much bigger than that increase in our population over 65, which is the people who need health services more. You know, we've broken the 5 million mark of our population. And in fact, as we know, our population is probably north of 5.3 at this point in time. So we have a huge demographic pressure being put on our health service. And we need a significant capital injection for our health service to meet this need. Mm. Specifically, we are beds-wise, we are a number of thousand beds short of the HSE's own predictions back in 2001, or the Department of Health, sorry, back in 2001. You know, by promising 1,000 beds or delivering 1,000 beds in the last two or three years is massively insufficient. Like, we are about four to 6,000 beds below what we need for the population that we have. So it is disappointing that we didn't get a, specifically a large capital spend because I think the the budget that is there, largely they are programs that are already in train and really all we're doing is continuing to stand still. Um, Brian, um, can you try and make sense of... of, of the budget and how spending is, is is managed, if you can, a bit of a Sisyphean task, possibly. But, you know, on the one hand, we have this huge increase, say, from 2015 up to now, 13.5 billion up to, you know, 22.5 billion. And some people listening might argue for all that money, have the outcomes, you know, improved proportionately. Others will listen to Matthew and they say, God, yeah, the population does continue to grow. It is continuing to get older. We continue to have those challenges. Those challenges will become more acute. That would suggest, logic would suggest than that you increase spending, which we haven't had. So wherein lies the truth? Well, I suppose there are a number of complicating factors. So, I mean, as as Matthew alluded to, our population has grown quite significantly. Now, not only has it grown significantly, but it's grown significantly ahead of what was projected. Uh, So when Solange Care was published in 2017, uh, shortly thereafter, there was a health service capacity review published in 2018, which had a number of projections for uh, demand on the health services based on population growth projections uh, out to 2026. Now, we've already exceeded the 2026 population figures that, that were in those projections by the end of 2022. So you, you can see that we are, the projections of, of demand uh, have been exceeded uh, already so and as Matthew said our population is aging uh, faster than in, than in a lot of other countries as well so that's the first thing the second thing is you've had a, an influx of Ukrainian refugees coming in uh, who have significant needs for medical support psychosocial support and so on 
you've got in the last 18 months the effect of energy and food prices on medical facilities because unlike a lot of other areas of, of, of uh, government expenditure, they're providing uh, you know, food for people as well in some of the, the medical facilities. We've had a public sector pay deal which reflects the cost of living uh, increases. That tends to have a disproportionate impact on uh, health, which is quite labour intensive. Mm. And then you've had the pandemic. So during the course of the pandemic, a lot of people delayed seeking care for, for, for medical treatment. Now, they're now starting to seek that treatment, but in some cases, their, their illnesses have progressed to the point where uh, they need more intensive and therefore, thereby more uh, expensive treatment. So we, we've got all of these factors coming in together, uh, which have, have contributed to the increases in the health budget over, over the number of years. But as you say, we, we've pretty much kind of plateaued now on this one. I mean, the, the, the announcement was for, I think, 808 million uh, of an increase for the demographic changes, which is about 4%, which doesn't really leave a whole lot of room for manoeuvre in terms of expanding services. Now, one thing they did announce yesterday was uh, that they were going to have a review of costs, uh, and which, which I think they were going to have done by the end of this year. Uh, so I suspect the, the attitude is, look, lads, if you want to increase services, then you're going to have to find cost savings in order to fund that. That would be my, my interpretation of it anyway. Yeah, and Matthew, and that would be interp- an interpretation that Danny McConnell is the editor of the Business Post um, would share. He was my guest yesterday as well, and, and he suggested, Pascal who denied this, but he suggested it was absolutely yesterday a case of Pascal Donoghue and Michael McGrath looking across the cabinet table at Stephen Donnelly and saying, you have enough. If you want more money, find it within the service itself. What do you say to those people? Because that, that is an argument that, that a lot of people have sympathy with, that there are massive inefficiencies and that is where money could be made. Well, I, personally, I don't see the inefficiencies working in the system. What I do see is a massive increase in complexity of care. And mm. even in, you know, the area I work in, you know, over the 20 years since I graduated, you know, when somebody would have a condition like a stroke where survival rates were, when I started 20 years ago, were terrible. Now we're looking at getting scans within a certain period of time. We're looking at people coming with the fast call initiative, coming into a hospital, getting a scan, potentially getting the clot dissolved, potentially returning to a much higher level of functioning than when I would have been you know, an intern 20, 20, whatever it is now, 25 years ago. So, like, medicine has become a lot more complex. And it is true to say that, you know, services have improved and stroke care would be one very good example where, you know, it's revolutionised over the last 25 years. But that, the problem with that is all that is more expensive. What, you know, would have been done by one practitioner with very minimal input now takes a multidisciplinary team to achieve a better result. And people are seeing these better results. You know, if you look at cardiac care survival, if you look at our cancer care program survival rates, they're all excellent. But mm. all of those things cost money. And that is where we get this problem of waiting list. We get this problem of a service that, you know, has got an expanding demand and it's not able to meet the demand. And, you know, what we certainly hear, and I'm sure you hear it in your program, is for those who get into the system, You know, they find the care is excellent and is at a very high level. But the problem is, you know, the system can only accept a certain number of people. So whether there is money to be made in efficiencies, I'm not sure, especially the way that they want to structure the health service with, you know, the disparate spreading of services around the country. But any savings that will be made on efficiencies will very quickly be lapped up by, you know, medical innovation and medical inflation. Uh, Brian, are are we then the public sometimes guilty of, of what do they call it, cakeism, you know, wanting it and, and eating it. We want immediate access. We want all the latest uh, medical developments applied to our case or the cases of our families. Uh, we want it all now and we want it to cost nothing. In fact, we want it to be cheaper. 
Well, unfortunately, we're not, we're not going to be able to have the cake and eat it because uh, almost inevitably the, uh, the the more advanced medical technologies and new drugs are more effective than what they're replacing, but also more expensive. So, uh, you know, the, the, the cost of uh, of healthcare is increasing, and not just in Ireland but globally. I mean, what we've seen uh, in in the last number of decades is that. Uh, spending on health is taking up an increased share of GDP in pretty much every uh, country around the world. So uh, there, there are no debates as to, okay, how much is actually sustainable in terms of you know, what percentage of, of our spending goes on, on health. Now, nobody's quite answered that question yet, but it, it, it's certainly being discussed. Uh, now, we're, we're, we're a bit behind some other countries in terms of, of getting to that, um, that, that, that crunch point on sustainability of, of healthcare spending. But inevitably, healthcare spending is going to keep going up. And I mean, Solange Care envisages that. Um, so under Solange Care, we're going to be spending an extra 2.8 billion euro a year more uh, by the end of the Solange Care 10-year period than we were at the start, mm. over and above the, the increases for demographic pressures and medical inflation. Um, but what they, they said in Solange Care, which, which, which was buried a bit deep in the, in the report, was that uh, we'll hopefully have less out-of-pocket spending. So they're reducing the uh, the charges and and uh, re- removing the charges in some cases for public hospital care, so um, and giving everybody free yeah. point of view access to GP care. So, but I suppose the, the the key thing, and and Matthew alluded to this a while ago as well, is the capacity of our system to to, to actually deliver uh, the the care uh, based on the increased demand that we're seeing. Brian Turner, health economist at Cork University Business School at UCC and Matthew Sadlier, who's chair of the IMO's Consultants Committee. Gentlemen, thank you both very much. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.